0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hendley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people about their endeavors and their perseverance and how they keep doing their thing. And this week, my guest is Craig Hamill. He's the founder of The Secret Movie Club, which is this really cool screening series I discovered in Los Angeles, movie screenings at the Vista Theater that Craig put together. And I met him when I went to see a 10 a.m. Saturday screening one day of Shadow of the Doubt, Alfred Hitchcock's movie, and Craig introduced the movie. He was all dressed in a suit, and then afterwards I kind of said hello to him, and there was just something about his enthusiasm and this cool thing that he created that made me want to interview him. And so I just gave him my card, and we made it happen, and I'm so glad we did because he is such an interesting Person, and I love talking to him. So, we'll get to that interview in a bit. But first, I want to mention my game that I launched with my uh, co creator, Jeb Havens. It's called You Don't Know My Life. It's a tabletop party game. We are in the middle of our friends and family pre order launch campaign, which means you order the game now, uh, you send us some money on PayPal, we use that money to get the games printed, and you get the game in your hands by the holidays. Christmas is saved, basically. And it's going really well so far. We've gotten a good amount of pre-orders. We're kind of on track, but we're nearing our deadline. Uh, If you order by September 1st, you're going to get your name in the rule book for all of posterity as an early supporter. So go to youdon'tknowmylifegame.com. We've been doing game nights at different places, and uh, people are having us over and doing them, and it's a movement. I'm just going to say it. Um, It's one of my favorite things I've ever been involved in, and I'm so excited about it. So um, some of you have already pre-ordered, which I really appreciate it, and um, you're going to be glad you did, because this game is really fun, and um, you know, the holidays are coming, and what are you going to talk about? The weather? Even that's a controversial subject. So uh, check out YouDon'tKnowMyLifeGame.com and learn more there. Um, That's it. Thank you for listening. Join the uh, Dennis Anyone Facebook page. We've also got a You Don't Know My Life Facebook page, all kinds of goodies, and um, that's enough plugs for now, I think. So here, without any further ado, is the founder of The Secret Movie Club, Craig Hamill. Oh, and at one point, his wife calls, and they speak in Spanish on the phone, and he said, I could leave it in, uh, because it was kind of charming. So I'm going to probably keep a little bit of that in. Okay, I'm coming to you from a really cool office in downtown Los Angeles, the office of Craig Hamill. He's a filmmaker. He's also the founder of Secret Movie Club at the Vista Theater here in Los Angeles, which I just discovered a few months ago. And I was so impressed by it that I, like... Uh, accosted you afterwards and said, hey, do you want to do this podcast? And here we are. I didn't
1: feel accosted.
0: You didn't feel accosted? Here we are. (laughs) Um, So first of all, we're right in the middle of Los Angeles, and yet I also feel like I'm somewhere else, like in a... Like in the post-apocalyptic world? Or it's very cool where we are.
1: Totally. The, so you and I were talking about it before this started. So this office is south of the Arts District in a real industrial part of downtown L.A. Yeah. And it's it's funny. I don't know if this has happened to you, but there are certain places. I'm a fourth generation Los Angelino. Right on. And when my dad used to take my sister and I like to the library, when we would go through this part of town, uh, I always just loved the big buildings because you felt like things were happening there. Like right. Factories and industries. Right. And I think even back then, artists would get like cheap loss and cheap space. Right. So I always wanted to get a space here, and uh, I got it a few years ago. But I, I do love, and it's weird, we're right on the L.A. River. For, right. For people who, I guess, paint a word picture. For sure. We're like uh, right on the L.A. River at about 7th Street and Mateo. Okay. Uh, we're a little south of that. Now, you said it used to be a toy factory. It did, yeah. Do you you hear the
0: ghosts of, like, jack-in-the-boxes and, like... (laughs) Of discontented (laughs) children. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's kind of cool to think of this place as a toy factory.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, um, what's funny is that the landlord, uh, that was his business. Right on. So now his factory, and he's Chinese, and his factory's in China. And he did the thing where he was like, oh, well... I can rent this out to artist types and just convert it to creative space. Right. And so he's a really nice guy. And he actually is responsible for some of the things we do at Secret Movie Club because he's given me advice. I love it. Yeah. So he was like, he took an interest because he was like, Craig, what do you do? Because <laughs> as you can see, uh, the Dennis is in my office. It's totally cluttered.
0: But it's fun. It's a creative space. There's headshots on the wall. You're clearly casting something. Yes. Uh, are you done, or are these people being considered? No, this is a movie that I hope to make that right. I had to stop, actually. Oh, shoot, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, and I needed to raise more money. Like it happens. Yeah, and I, I hope that, I mean, those people very well may tell me to F off, but those were the people that we cast. Right. And uh, they'll be the people I go to first because I want to make it at the beginning of next year. You're going to do it. Yeah. I have so a I, feeling. Thank you, Dennis. So it's, I actually keep it up on the wall in in a way to motivate me in a sense of responsibility. Yeah. To be like, because those are all really uh, talented actors. Right. And you want to work with them and, and it's meant to be.
0: Um, it looks like a story about young people.
1: It is. It is. It's, uh, it all takes place one night uh, in a bar and I love, and hopefully the style is a lot of fun. Uh, and it's like sort of a French New Wave movie and it's a John Hughes movie
0: Oh, that's going to be awesome It's cool What's the title? Can you tell us? Well, uh, you know, it, the title's in flux The title's in flux yeah. Some, A lot of the best titles are always in flux So Secret Movie Club is a film series That you started at the Vista Theater Here in Los Angeles How long have you been doing it? Uh, since April 2016 So two years and three months And my friend that lives in the neighborhood Goes, hey, have you heard of Secret Movie Club? And I'm like, well, it's a secret I haven't heard of it And he said, "Yeah, they're showing." It was Shadow of a Doubt. We went and saw one morning, and I was like, "I got to get on the mail list and all of that stuff." What inspired you to start it initially?
1: Well, so so the funny thing is, I think you know when you love movies um, and you want to be in movies, you know, if you stay in it, if you don't just come and you go like, "Oh, not for me," and then you go to law school or something, right? You're like, "I'm in it for life." And, uh, yeah, I may not succeed, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it or I'm not going to do it. It's going to be part of your life. It's going to be part of my life. Um, I went to film school at USC, and I had some friends that had made features. And uh, I would ask them, I'd be like, what advice do you have? And they all would say the same thing. That I'll be like, you know, I thought before making the movie, making a movie was 90% of it. And they said, actually, making a movie is 49%. 51% is advertising, marketing, exhibition, because if you don't know how to do that, all the people gave you money won't give you money again, and right. you won't get a second movie. Right. And they said, so learn that. Learn how to build an audience. Learn about uh, advertising, marketing, exhibition." exhibitions. So I thought about that, and I'm like, that was really good advice, but how do you... How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you, teach, how do you reverse engineer and learn that? Yeah. So... When I was at USC, uh, I had a club called Screenings where I actually got to interview Robert Wise, who did West Side Story. Yeah, right Sound before, of Music. Yeah, Sound of Music. It was the editor, Forrest and Wells. Uh, we did Russ Meyer came, Michael Mann, John Woo. Amazing. Yeah, it was really awesome. And uh, some of them yelled at me. Some were really nice. Uh, who yelled? Excuse me. Who yelled at you? Uh, well, you know, it, it, so to, <laughs> so, I was nineteen and I interviewed Michael Mann about Heat. Right. And I asked him a very 19-year-old question where I right. was like, I was like, Mr. Man, in front of everybody. We just right. shown heat. And I, I was like, Mr. Man, you know, um, and I think I'd gotten off on the wrong foot because before anyone came in, I'd asked him about his reputation for wanting to control everything. Right. He did not like that question. Right. And <laughs> I did not have the, the, uh, the sense yet to know how to ask things. Right. So then I was like, you know, you've been married uh, once and you have a family. How have you been able to do that? Because so many filmmakers go through marriages. And I was really genuinely like, that's always been something, I want to be just married once. Right. And he was like, well, I don't talk about them. And everybody laughed. And while everybody was laughing, he leaned in and he was like, read between the lines, asshole. And I was like, oh, he doesn't want me to ask any personal questions. Wow. So then, and he did it while no one could hear him. Yeah. Yeah. So he and, didn't embarrass you, but he did shake you to your core. Exactly. And he was like, no personal. Damage. Right. I mean, I got it. And I was like, okay, so going back to heat.
0: How so did you know Robert De Niro. So you had done this screening kind of thing before. Yeah, and so the, to wrap that
1: answer up. So um, I, I, I had thought for a while, well, what I can do is show movies and uh, learn how to get people to come and how I would advertise. and get, d- Develop an email list. Develop an email list. And that's what I did. I invited 60 of my friends to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love film. So, and I had experience with film print. So I called Paramount. Paramount gave me a film print. I reached out to all these theaters around LA. All the rates were prohibitive. Because to this day, it still comes out of my pocket. Like, I'm funding the next one with the one before. Right. And um, But weirdly, one of the great theaters in LA, the Vista, got back to me. And they were like, if you do it at midnight, um, you can get a deal. And the deal was great. And I was like, okay, midnight. I was like hoping eight, you know. Right. But I was like, okay, midnight. The the movie, Shadow of Doubt, you saw
0: in the morning. It was the 10 o'clock in the morning thing. You do those sometimes.
1: Later, they told me, we can give you the same rate if you do it in the morning. So right. uh, I did Raiders. I had 60 people. I think I lost 100 bucks. But it wasn't bad. That's not bad for your first time. Totally. And I was like, well, if I just lose 100, I could keep going. I was hanging up flyers uh, and emailing, and then I had a disastrous screening with Scarface, Brian De Palma, Al yeah. Pacino. Great movie. But I, I, I didn't advertise it soon enough. A lot of people couldn't come, so I had right. like 30 people. Right. I lost 600 bucks. Yeah, And the theater owner uh, came to me and said, Craig, we really like what you're doing. You may want to talk to this other guy, a guy named Bernie Bregman, who has a group called Nerds Like Us. He's done very well. And I was really nervous because I was like, well, but Bernie and I are kind of competition. We're both right. at the Vista. And and the owner of the Vista was like, no, no, no. Bernie's a good guy. Call Bernie. So Bernie took the call. And, and I'm, to this day, I, I will always feel very grateful to Bernie. And he said, Craig, have you heard about Facebook advertising? Have you heard about... I was like, oh, yeah. And this is... I mean, to show you how dense I was. And that's what I needed to hear. So we, the next thing we were doing was uh, Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange. Of course. And I think it was one of those uh just like we were lucky it was a movie people wanted to see it was on 35 and i put a hundred bucks to facebook advertising and we sold out twice and then i was like oh and so you do
0: more than you do a midnight show and then you do another night only if it sells out so you do a different night yeah i will do
1: an encore yeah and, and i have done that only on a few movies the movies we've done encores on i can remember them because sure. rare. clockwork orange the shining purple rain and spirited away Wow. So those four movies we sold out within a week, and nice. I knew, okay, we'll do another. And uh, after that, it's been kind of like you would imagine, like evolution. So yeah. every month we we have an email list, we have yeah. a Facebook page, we have an right. Instagram, we have a Twitter. Uh, now um, we're going to get a web page going, we do limited edition posters. And every month something was added, and now people want to... Be a part of it, so we have a little team. So maybe we can. We're gonna. In fact, I'm on your podcast. Maybe you'll come back on our podcast. I
0: would love it. It's all. It's all about it. So, how does he has his movie screenings there as well, and you guys don't use the same nights, or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So, and I want to give a shout out to him because I he's a really great guy. Now he's doing Bernie's doing Rocky Horror Picture Show the first Friday of every month. Oh, perfect. So you go to the Vista uh, first Friday. You can go, and he he was at the New Art doing the live cast. Right. So he's got the live cast. They're going to sacrifice virgins. You're going to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. And and that's one thing. Then he does Nerds Like Us, which is, I think they're doing Clue. Upcoming. So it'll be like a nerdy deep cut. Right. And then I think he does a horror movie at the end of the month at the Los Feliz 3.
0: I love it. Well, the prints are beautiful. And it, that's very important to you, right? To it get is, the yeah. 35 millimeter prints. We've only had
1: one awful print and never yeah. again.
0: Yeah. But no, it's, it's fantastic.
1: How do you choose the movies? So, uh, so you know, <laughs> it's a great question. And in fact, it's something, um, and I'll try to give you a succinct answer, but it's something that's actually really on my mind right now. Um, so, no, no mystery. Basically, initially we were just doing a movie a month. And it was literally like, "What's a movie I love?" So I, I have this thing. I don't know if you, you you think about it. Um, there are those movies that I mean now they're no longer DVDs, but if folks maybe you're looking at a streaming feed, or, right? And let's say you're with your family. So you've got you've got grandparents, you've got Republicans, you've got Democrats, you've got people that are obsessed with movies, you've got people that don't like movies, right? There are those movies that yet people everyone will agree on. So they cross every across, across every quadrants or whatever and i would i would cite like goodfellas right uh godfather right jaws like everybody a film connoisseur and somebody uh, sure let's watch jaws a right. republican a democrat let's watch jaws right i don't know what it is about those movies they're godfathers so uh, i was like initially i'm just going to show those because i love them and i guess everyone else will love them and right. I learn then um kind of out of necessity when one month i was like okay uh, cause we were having a baby and I was like, I gotta see if I can really make this at least make us a little something. Right. Cause I, this is now a full-time job. I did a festival. I did four movies and two of them hit. Four, so, uh, fes- one, four movies a month. I okay. did one a week. Right. And we did, uh, Dr. Strangelove, the Todd Browning movies, Freaks. Um, we did, uh, oh man, why am I blanking? It's up there. It's up there. Uh, Blue Velvet right. and Roadhouse. And, uh. And so, two hit
0: and two miss. Let me see if I can guess. Yeah, Two were Uber hits. Strange Love Uber hit?
1: Yep. Sold out. Blue Velvet Uber hit? Sold out. Boom, I nailed it. Dennis, you got it. Thank and you. And then Freaks did decent. It did our break even. We did about right. like 110 people. Roadhouse, weirdly, was our low one. And I love Roadhouse because it's such a crazy movie. Right. Um, But I learned the studio lesson, which was like the hits cover the losses. And if you plan it just enough, you come out just a little ahead, right? And I was, and I, I actually preferred doing more because I would meet people, I'd talk to people, right? And ever since then, we've done about one week, one or two. And a week now
0: week. you've got a James Bond thing happening, or did that just finish? I just finished in June. You got a Paul Verhoeven thing happening? That's right now. Yeah. Starship Troopers, yeah, delicious. End the,
1: yeah, end of the month, right? Uh, so. That's going to be August thirty first. Love it. Um, what do you? Can I ask you a question? Yes, it's funny you mentioned that. I agree. I think Starship Troopers is one of the masterpieces of the last 30 years. You totally have to show it to people because people are always like, Starship Troopers? Right. Why do you love it? Because Verhoeven goes where no one else will go. Like,
0: it's a sci-fi movie with giant bugs, and we're going to strap up Casper Van Dien in the middle of a square <laughs> and flog him. Like, there's a, there's a sexuality about it or a like a... There's no prudishness, or and it's it's just kind of nuts. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'd seen it after Showgirls, so you you I, I sort of you know I love Showgirls and right and so I'm I'm kind of on I'm gonna go wherever he wants me to go for a while right. and I remember that and I interviewed a couple of those actors at the time. I actually went on the set of that and I saw Casper Van Dien laying in that thing, you know? Oh, wow, yeah, I interviewed him for it. Um, so yeah, I, I just I and it's and it's also like a a prom there's like a prom and then denise richards is like my favorite bad actress like and she's a like a pilot she's like a pilot there's nothing going on in her eyes like but i love her that way that's how i want my denise richards she's like a nuclear physicist in that bond movie so with
1: my favorite it's it's the bond movie i like the least right but it has one of my favorite last lines which is... Which is like, I didn't know that Christmas came twice a year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Who's your favorite Bond, by the way? Oh, uh,
1: Connery. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I hear it. I like Daniel Craig. He doesn't have a... His humor... He's not. doesn't seem like he has the most humor... I but th- I, I, I like the way he runs, and I like the way his clothes fit. Craig is my and second I lo- favorite. He looks like he's been beat up a lot in a good way. You know what I'm saying? No, he's, totally. He, yeah. it,
1: it, Connery and Craig are my two favorites. There you go. I think that... No, I love Daniel Craig. In fact, he right. ended with Casino Royale, which is in my top four. Yeah. I think, you know, you had this series that had been going on 30 years. Yeah. Casino Royale had no business being as good as it was. I, was, I remember seeing
0: that in New York and just literally, like, gasping.
1: And you were like, oh, that's...
0: Yeah, totally. You were like, oh, it can still... And not just when he comes out of the ocean. (laughs) Other times, too. Um, So when I saw it, you had a suit on and you introduced the movie. Is that part of your thing? Or did you you come from an audition or something? No.
1: No. I I, I, So one of the other things was... So I come from a family, um, like all of us, uh, where uh, like I am half Irish Catholic. Right. And the, the Irish Catholic hails from the Midwest. I'm half Russian Jew and right. the Russian Jew is four generations in LA. Right. Atheists on the Jewish side, r- spiritual folks, like crazy mix. And then right. everybody moved to LA. And right. I, was, I was born in LA. And my granddad um, was, he sold dog food. Uh, right. And he went through a lot of jobs. Like he he, he had a job where he was doing a, a feminine product. And right. And they have a lot of stories about how that didn't get off the ground. Right. He was with the men in company. He was like literally one of those salesmen who worked for seven companies. Yeah. And then he was out of work in his 40s. And my grandmother sold real estate. He's like, I got it. He had five kids. He bought a dog food company called Neutro with another guy. And he ended up turning it into a big thing and he retired and got thirty years of retirement and did really well. And he used to take me when I was a kid to pet food stores and conventions and he was my papa, Edmund Richard Baume, who just passed away in January of this year at ninety. Wow. He was he was like an Irish politician. Right. Like he loved everybody. He would get he would one of the things I always remember as a little kid after church, we'd go to a Jewish deli, which was great, and he would always ask the waitress's name. Like, What's your name, honey? And I, you couldn't say that now, but he'd go, what's your name? And she'd be like, oh, my name is Sarah. And every time she came back, Sarah, could I, could I, could we get this? Sarah, how are you doing? Sarah, how's your day? Been? And he would remember her name every time we'd go back. And so when I started Secret Movie Club, I realized my granddad built it person by person. Like right. he really understood that. And it's something I think it's always true. You hear it all the time and it doesn't make sense until it makes sense to you. That everything is built with people. It's built with people skills. And my granddad got to know people. He was genuine, too. It wasn't BS. Right. And I think that was key, too. So when I did Secret Movie Club, um, I put on my my, my suit, uh, and I would just get to know names, and I wanted to talk to people. And I've had – and I love it. Like, I love this. I, I mean, well, part of why I felt
0: comfortable going up to you is the, there was a gregariousness around and, 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 and an enthusiasm about it. And I thought, you know, maybe he'd do my podcast. And, you know, you had an, an approachableness and, a, and an enthusiasm that was – that was really fun. Well,
1: I, I appreciate th- that, that that's how you felt. Yeah. And, and I would just say, like, last night, example. So I you sound like someone who does this, because right? we were just talking about Denise Richards, and that yes. almost sounded like a conversation I would have had for two hours. <laughs>
0: yeah, we could really <laughs> do a whole Denise Richards thing, because then there's Drop Gorgeous, where she's awesome. Now she's going to be a real housewife. I don't know. Is she? Yeah.
1: Aww. Wasn't she in Wild Things, too? She was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people were into that. Yeah. I, Which I've never seen. I yeah. just only know there's a crazy There's three, a three-way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, it, it, what you and I are doing right now, here's the funny thing, was before I it, it started Secret Movie Club, I would just, you know, when I was single in my 20s, I would meet up with my friends around LA. It would be midnight, and some friend would be like, you gotta see this. Bombay, like, or you got to see this Mumbai, uh, Bollywood movie, right. we'd watch it for three hours, we'd drink some beer, smoke some cigarettes or whatever, talk for three more hours. And, uh, so what you were talking about, we just did last night, RoboCop, Right, which is one of my favorite Verhoevens. I think it is a masterpiece. I think it's one of the great eighties movies and everyone came around the table at the end right. and we're all talking at two in the right. morning. And we talked for like 40 minutes. Like, that was crazy. How was that movie a satire, an action movie? Ultra violent, yeah. emotional. And I love that. So. Yeah.
0: That's your, you're in your elements. Yeah. And and, it, and yeah. you're bringing joy to people. But it must be feel good in a way to see people responding and having so much fun.
1: You know what feels, and I want your thoughts on this. Yes. Because I, I don't... So you know how you asked me how I choose the movies? Yeah. So to end that question, like, we theme them now. So this is, as you were pointing out, this is Verhoeven Schwarzenegger month, and our matinees are movies told from a child's point of view. So we, right. we did Night of the Hunter, and we're going to do To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, I had someone come up to me. Uh, I always run the movies I'm thinking about in front of the audience. And I had a young woman come up to me, and and I had run by Rosemary's Baby. And right. she came up to me afterwards, and she said, I re- you know, I love what you do. I, I love what I just saw. She came to see The Fly. But she said, do you really think we should show a Polanski movie? You know, this is a known rapist and it's a movie about rape. And I never thought of it that way. And and she had a very valid point of view. And I said, you know what, could we continue to talk? Because I really want to hear this. And so she emailed me and she and I talked. And she said, you know, I love everything you're doing. I'd love to see some movies by women filmmakers. And and I really heard that. And, I you know, I thought, absolutely, I want to show movie great movies but and this is so i'm 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 gonna like i'm covering a lot of stuff we're going into some dangerous yeah um but i was like but no you know as secret movie club grows it also has a responsibility here like it, it you know there are young movie makers who you know there are these amazing films that are being made and, uh, you know, horror movies, there's a movie called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night uh, yeah. that was made a few years ago. That's this awesome vampire movie that was made in Bakersfield, female director. Right. And um, so now that we're selecting movies, I also think maybe the next phase of Secret Movie Club, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, so audience, if you're listening to Dennis's podcast, I have to figure this out. But um, I feel like every now and then we need to show a film that a lot of people haven't heard about. But it, it's done by somebody and, and folks can go see it and be inspired that that got made. Right. And I also feel like we have maybe a responsibility and I, we haven't figured this part out. But maybe we're not going to show a movie one day and I don't know who's going to come. It might be me and 10 other people. But talk about that issue. Like yeah. what do you do with problematic filmmakers who right. made great movies? Right. That's a real conversation now. Yeah. You know, what do you do when the filmmaker after 20, 30 years is problematic as a person? The movie is great. You believe in art. You believe in the First Amendment. You also believe in being, you know, let's let's deal with this.
0: Right. And also what you're doing is, in a way, it's, a, it's you're celebrating these movies. Right. And it, there is a joy around it and a celebration around it. And that's, is it somebody that should be celebrated in that way?
1: And that was her point. That was exactly yeah. her point. And, yeah. Because and, and, it's and,
0: not like, oh, I can watch this and look at it and enjoy it. You know what I mean? It, right. It's
1: like going... You know, it is a celebration, it's a celebration. So, so so I think the next phase is, and it's interesting. I think when you're in movies too, yeah, there's, and I love movies and it's a long conversation. You you take us where you want to take us, but I love uh, this stuff. Yeah. It, 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 you know, there, there, I think has been for as long as art has thrived in a culture, there has been the question about. Does the artist have a responsibility? Do the people in the industry have a responsibility? Is that not their issue? Is it their issue? And I think it's a very thorny... I think it's complicated. Yeah. I don't think it's easy. I agree. And, and so I um, I appreciated her, and she did it wonderfully, and she's got me thinking on it. Yeah. So these are things for the future to think about.
0: I love it. I also love this idea that you're sort of paying homage to your grandfather in the way you're being in this business. It is. It's totally... And you feel
1: it. Like You feel like the... Uh, the spirit of it when you're doing it—it's totally my papa's style. Yeah, and I told him, i
0: got was it did it come naturally to you?" It it, it did. I, like getting on a mic and you know all of that, st- being a host.
1: Yeah. It, uh, so, it, it, real quick story. My mom tells this story. Uh, yeah. And everybody in the fa- if you knew my family, yeah, that question you just asked, that all would like... That all roll their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So I was like two or three. And uh, we went camping, and they did some kind of talent show. Right. And my mom says, I ran up on the stage, grabbed the mic, and started singing Sesame Street. And the counselor was like, get, get him off, you know. And then my dad went to go get me, and I just ran on the stage. And I kept singing and kind of hamming it up for the audience. Yeah. And my dad got really embarrassed because he's, like, trying to get me off. And my mom was like, that's when we know.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a done deal. <laughs> what advice would you have to someone who, say, is maybe middle-aged and like they look at uh, 11.59 start time and they're like, I love this movie. I feel like I'll be conked out within 10 minutes. Is there a disco nap strategy?
1: Yes. That is an awesome question. (laughs)
0: Because I'm the more... I'm looking at it going, oh God, I'm an old man. I'm going to fall asleep. And I'm the most sort of outgoing of a lot of my friends in terms of like, oh, fine, it'll be fine. We can park. It's going to be good.
1: So... This, so this is a great question because I'm middle-aged I'm 41 yeah um and you yeah. look much younger by the way oh, thank you BTW uh thank you so much yeah uh but now I'm gonna embrace it I okay. I decided a while ago I was yeah. like I'm not gonna I'm gonna embrace it whatever happens I yeah like. and
0: it's not just a function of age it's like when did your morning start what's your day like uh, well, totally
1: blah, blah. um and we have my wife and I have a one-year-old child too there you go uh but to answer your question um One of the things I did right, I think, with Secret Movie Club that I have not done right with my pursuit of making a feature. Right. Is in trying to make a feature, I came out of USC and had this really delusion in a way that someone was going to give me $5 million – And I was going to make like uh, a Cameron Crowe or a John Hughes or a like great first movie. It was going to go. It was going to be, you know, like a whatever. And I think that in the last 20, 30 years, a lot of the folks that have broken through, they made a $10,000 movie. Yeah. They made a $50,000 movie. And they went from A to B, not from A to M. Right. Which is what I, so to me, rather than being like, I'm not going to do this unless I get an APM start. Right. I was like the Vista said you can have this deal if yes. it's midnight. Yes. Then they cut me the deal in the morning. So you came to Shadow of the Dead. I know,
0: and I'm mad that I missed Night of the Hunter, but I I'm going to try to come to Burger if I can. When
1: just let me know. All we're, right. we're gonna. We, it's going to get bigger and bigger. The yeah. morning
0: matinees are growing. I like that. The morning matinee's is good for like a senior citizen like me.
1: <laughs> or, no, I'm not a senior. <laughs>
0: well, it, what, but, you it, know, you get your coffee. You're there. Totally. you It's ten
1: in the morning. And awesome. they let us go ten or eleven. Yeah. Uh, And the theater, so it's this thing, it's like, I should have, if I had been a smarter person, I would have known intuitively, oh, right, you build a relationship, and then you get a little more opportunity. Right, right, right. So now you're the the person that's already in the door. That's right. So now the theater is like, hey, if you can do this kind of movie, we might even cut in and let you every now do an eight. Or a nine. Yeah. So eventually, the goal is to have probably a three-tiered thing. Sure. Our bread and butter will be the morning matinees and the midnights. Yeah. Because that's just what we can do. Sure. And then when we have a real big event with a speaker, because we actually yeah. want to move to bringing speakers, we'll have like the seven or the eight.
0: Love it. Have you uh, done any speaker events yet?
1: We have. We've done, and it's, it's
0: so that's funny too. Um, we've done quite a few. That's my one of my favorite things about living in LA is that you can go see Saturday Night Fever and the whole cast is there. Totally. Like I did that like, ten, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I, it just blows your mind that they're and, there. And I don't know how you feel about it. I, it, it,
1: did, it. Does it ever hit you where you're like, this is not normal?
0: Yes. Every time I go to one of those things, I think, this is kind of the best thing about living in L.A. that I can, that I can really right. point to and go, this is really extraordinary. Where are you from? Uh, Arizona, originally. Oh,
1: where in Arizona?
0: Uh, a little town called Holbrook with one theater, the Roxy Theater... That I used to go to, and this you'll get a kick out of this. When I tell my my um, film friends about this, they're they're just appalled. So, at this, about five minutes into the double feature, they would put a piece of paper on the camera so that we would projected that said "Snack bar closes in five minutes." <laughs> and then half the audience would walk up. But it was so like you know, if you told Spielberg that we're just going to slide that thing on, but it's so small town and part of the charm of it, you know the sniper, And I also While remember the movie being was, was projected. Yeah, sure, they don't care. It's the second <laughs> movie. And I also remember being in there. My other favorite Roxy memory is seeing a a double feature of Grease 2 and Xanadu, oh, which wow. are right in my gay sweet spot. And the and the power going out like uh 30 minutes into Xanadu, the second feature, and it was so dark that you couldn't see in front of your face, and people were throwing things and just being crazy unruly but it was also hilarious and fun and then at the end we couldn't get our money back because it was an act of god and i was like xanadu's not a perfect movie <laughs> but i don't know if god would would stop it no no yeah it makes too many people happy but yeah that's my where would you go to the movies when you were a kid did you have certain theaters
1: i did i did so um my folks divorced when i was six you might guess. Being, so you probably had two theaters. I did. I had multiple. Yeah. So I actually had a three thing. Uh, and for uh, anybody who's roughly my age, right. I hope this will, this will make sense. So my folks divorced. My dad, because he didn't have tons of money, it was either, and then eventually he did. But he, he was kind of getting himself back on his feet and he became a teacher. Um, we would go to the AMC, which was at Century City. Right. And the matinees were $3.50. Right on. Yeah. So it was AMC matinees. Uh, or we would go to Blockbuster Video. Right. And we would, my sister would get to pick a movie. I'd get to pick a movie. My dad would pick a movie. And we'd be with him for the weekend. And there, it was almost curated in the weird right. way. There'd be a Friday night. Pr- Saturday was usually a double feature because we headed home on Sunday. My mom remarried and moved to Laguna Beach. Uh, okay. Down in Orange County. And we weirdly, I almost never went to the Laguna Beach Theater, which is a tragedy because it's such a great theater if you've ever been down to Laguna. Right, it's like a single screen. Singles, well, it used yeah. to be. It should yeah. have been. They split it in half, and that was, I think, part of its demise because you could yeah. hear the other movie and stuff. But weirdly, uh, I wish I could tell you that the one thing I saw at the Laguna Beach Theater that I always remember is Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Mm. My sister and I were like 12, and right. we, we like biked to Cape Fear. Um, Love but it. the one we would really go to was the Newport Big Edwards was where they would show the big movies on a big screen yeah. and then when I was a teenager I really got into foreign films and they had a theater in Costa Mesa that was in Edwards that just showed the weird stuff yeah. so we'd drive i get with my buddy who had a license we'd drive a half hour and we'd go For see the, the weird, weird stuff. stuff
0: I love it well um, you mentioned the Century theater, the City Theater and I was thinking about it as I was driving down here that's one of the places where I first saw Cinema Paradiso, which is showing on the 22nd of September. That's right. A week before my birthday. It's one of my favorite movies. And I, I'd i seen it before then, but I remember seeing it for the second time in the Century City Mall and walking out and not knowing where I was. I had been so taken away that I couldn't remember where I was. It was like I couldn't adjust back to reality. Have you ever had that experience walking out of a movie where you, you just didn't... You feel like you're dislocated in a way. Uh, so here's how I could
1: answer that because I've, I've been so obsessed with movies for so long. Right. Um, it's when you said that there's a, a Hemingway book, and it's funny. Um, anyway, I don't want to get. I, you can, I'm very digressive. I love digressive. It, that's th- the that's the you know one of my keywords on the podcast. <laughs> now um, uh, Hemingway, uh, you know, for whom the bell tolls. Right. And I'm actually not a huge fan of the novels. I love Hemingway short stories. That's what right. I was going to say, but. Um, I mean, I, listen, we should only be so lucky to write like Hemingway. Um, but I read from The Belt Tolls. there's this thing where the main character, I think Robert Jordan, has an affair. And they're uh, fighting in the Spanish Civil War. Right. And they have sex, Ian the woman. And she says that the ground moved. And she was like, the ground moved. She didn't even know she was on the ground. Right. And that for them, the ground moved. And I remember reading this as like a 13-year-old. Yeah. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm, and uh, And wondering like, really? Does that ever happen in sex? That you did? Yeah. Like, and, and I think in this weird way... And it's probably, to make the connection, weirdly, you, pro- you know, in life, if you're sexually active, you have a lot of experiences. And, and, you know, you remember a lot of them. But there's only a few where you're like, wow, that was, whoa. The ground moved. The ground moved. And I think uh, with and I've, and with movies, you see a lot of movies. But then every now and then, you're like, whoa. So to answer your question, um, here here's just the first thing that comes to my mind. And I think it happened with a lot, a lot of movies. But... When I was fourteen, I became aware of the director, right? And it was Woody Allen was the first director I became aware of, Andy Hall. So I watched everything he did, and then suddenly that was a gateway. Woody Allen loved Ingmar Bergman, so I watched everything Ingmar Bergman did. When I saw Federico Fellini and the posters behind all this clutter, um, yeah. When I saw Fellini's Eight and a Half, I had a I like, I didn't know movies could be like that, right? And I got really excited, and I think I almost kind of trembled a little bit, right? Because the filmmaking was amazing. It, it Even though it's a movie about a, a person having... A filmmaker having a nervous breakdown. Right. That movie should have been mega pretentious. Right. I mean, those movies almost never work. Right. A movie maker making a movie about a movie maker. Right. You're like, oh, kill me now. Um, eight and a Half is this celebration of life. I've never seen style like it. Uh, I, I, I... The music, the Nina Rota score, the Fellini direction, the Marcello Mastriani acting, all the women... In that film, and, and it went into his psyche, it went into his past, it went into his spirituality, and I just didn't know you could do that. Right. And so... It blew I, your mind. It blew my mind. And I, I think I put it on at like, because my family would not watch these movies with me. Right. So I would put them on at 11 at night. Right. Which maybe started my ability to stay up late. Yeah, exactly. And I'd finish it at 2 in the morning. Yeah. And, and I, I saw 8 and, a half and I just remember like, I was like, I just, the ground moved i just I, I just it. had an experience
0: there's things that go along with doing this series like you your emails and you do your posters what what stuff do you think is really fun
1: the uh, well so it's you know it's all fun yeah. um, none of it is a drag right and that's why I love doing it I think yeah I, you know when you're doing something and you know and we do, sometimes we do okay, sometimes we lose a little money, yeah. And my wife has been. Very patient. I mean, right. sometimes it's been very helpful. Sometimes I've had to do... So I was telling Dennis before the start of the podcast, I also teach. Right. Sometimes I'm like, honey, like I I call amor, because she's Salvadorian, so we speak Spanish. But I'm like, amor, this month I'm going to have to teach a lot uh, to make up. And then right. other times it's like, oh, we're, you know, we're doing okay. We can pay that bill. Um, but nothing that we do with Secret Movie Club uh, is ever a drag. I'm not like, oh, i got to do this part of it. But to answer your question, uh, so... Now we do an original poster for every movie and we have like eight designers. And so they each take two or three movies in our season and they design a poster. And that part, I mean, I just, I go, I I put out the list and I say, here, here's what we're doing. All the designers get back to me and they're like, I'd like to do this, this, and this. And then they'll take three. What a fun thing. Totally. What were some of the ones that you remember? Uh, the posters, yeah. I don't want you to say who
0: your favorites are because you probably love them all.
1: The well the, the well, the funny thing is that each designer, the, the, the regular designers, right, have each done a poster that's been a big hit. One that jumps to my mind, um, is uh, we have one designer, uh, full disclosure, my sister, uh, her name's Heather Monahan, uh, her uh, design company is Cheeky Design. Right. Uh, And I'm not necessarily shouting her out because she's my sister, but I want to be totally full disclosure. Sure. She did a When Harry Met Sally poster. Right. And this was the first time this happened. Right. So we showed When Harry Met Sally. And she hand drew it. She hand drew when uh, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are in bed together. Right. And they've, they've slept for the first time. Right. And then she did it kind of as an Italian lobby card. So then in the corner, it's Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher on the phone. Yeah. And she hand drew that. And then she did a title treatment. And the the poster was a huge hit. And for the first time, someone on our Instagram feed shouted us out and was like, I've hung it up in my apartment and they took a photo of it. And that made me feel really good. And I sent it on to my sister. And I was like, Look, someone like loves your poster. And I remember that being like like people are really digging this club
0: everything about it is for the love of it every step of the way for the person that bought it your sister's thing like there's you know everyone's just doing it for the love right and that that comes across and that resonates because when harry met sally is not a movie that like it's not like scarface where you want that post you know that that, that screams i need this poster so she must have done an awesome job i want to see that she did what's your instagram
1: uh the uh, at secret Movie club yeah
0: love it um the vista yeah cool theater interesting history I was trying to... I've, it's popped up in like... Was it Ed Wood was
1: there? Probably. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I love that they took out a row of seats.
1: Yeah, you know? the, totally. I, yeah.
0: The, uh, it's very comfy, and yet it has that old history, spectacular ceiling thing happening.
1: If you... So, if you ever have an interest on... The owner, the manager of the Vista, is Victor Martinez, and right Victor on. has been there, uh, and he's from uh, Guatemala. He's got this amazing story. He started as an usher in the late '80s or early '90s. An usher at the Vista. A uh, usher at the Vista. Holy smoke. You absolutely. Now he's the manager. Right. And on. Vic, if you go to the Vista a lot, Victor's the guy who's always in costume. Right. So if you go, he he'll be the stormtrooper, or he'll be uh, you know he'll be Willy Wonka or whatever the movie is, and. So Victor actually told me a lot. The Vista was built in the 1920s. Right on. Uh, it was originally Spanish style. The first movie it played was a Baby Peggy movie. Okay. I guess Baby Peggy was a proto-Shirley Temple. And she's still with us, I think. she's Baby like, Peggy's still alive? She's like 99. She's gotta be. Yeah.
0: Holy smokes.
1: So, uh, and... So and that was it. And then the the Vista went through this crazy. Yeah, there was
0: a few. There was a. It was a
1: porn theater, right? It was a. uh, It kind of did double bills. Then it got really scuzzy. Then nobody wanted to go to it. Then the current owners bought it, totally redid it, and now it's this landmark East Side uh, single screen first run that also does all these crazy events. And the one thing about the Vista someone told me recently, who came to a secret movie club, that I was like, that is hilarious. I don't know if it's true. Is that they used to have what were called crying rooms.
0: Oh, yeah. They had those in my church when I grew up.
1: The, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. It's where women would go. There's glass. You could still hear the thing, but the kids, are, if the baby's crying, right.
1: But check this out. It wasn't for babies. It was for the women. And, and yeah, this was the thing. I guess after World War I, there were a lot of war widows. Right, and they would go to the movies, and they would have these uncontrollable fits. Oh my grief. god! And because so many young men died in World of War course. I, so a lot of the movie theaters designed that the exact equivalent. You can watch the movie, and if you get really emotional, you can wail. And those used to be in the Vista. They took them out, but the Vista used to have like wailing rooms. That's kind of amazing.
0: All right, so we talked about my observation deck, but before I get to the pictures, you the questions you picked. I'm going to ask you a bunch of the movie-related questions. Do it. just rattle them off. Let's go. What movie did you see when when you were way too young to see it? <laughs> like everything my dad showed me after
1: the divorce. Uh, the one I Blade Runner. I saw when I was like seven, and it just kind of went over your head, or no, kind of no, actually, freaked I love you out. Yeah, well, uh, so I have a real vivid imagination, and um, I, I can't. So the scene where Rutger Hauer pushes in the eyes of his creator and they bleed and he kills yeah. him, I couldn't sleep for a week. And wow. I went back to my mom's house and I would stand in her bedroom and just kind of be like, Blade Runner, Blade Runner. You would just <laughs> say it? Like Red Rum or something? You would just chant Blade Runner? I just like, she's like, why are you in the bedroom? And I'd be like, Blade Runner. And she'd call my dad and yeah. be like, this is why I divorced you. Yeah. You should not be showing these kids these movies. Exactly.
0: One of the, but the other question was what movie gave you nightmares? Would you say that one or are there others?
1: Well, I do plenty when yeah. I was young. Blade Runner, Shining. Yeah. Uh, those are two that stand out. Yeah, Shining's so good. Yeah. What movie have you seen the most times? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Love it? Oh, I do. I do. In fact, it's in my top. So I don't... It, a real quick thing. I have a top 35. Right. A lot of people laugh at that. It's ridiculous that this... If you're a movie lover, you say a top 10 it almost doesn't tell you anything about your taste. Yeah. Because almost everybody's top 10 is kind of the same. Right. You hear the, kind of the greatest hits. Yeah. I don't think you really get to know someone's movie taste until you get yeah. the top 30.
0: Right. That's where my Coyote Ugly starts to sneak <laughs> the, exactly. in. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> Those sort of goofy movies totally. that bring me a ton of joy and yet are nobody's idea of a classic. I love that, that you got Coyote Ugly. Thank so, you. When is that going to show at Secret Movie Night? Well, when, we, when we're doing so well. <laughs> I, you know what's weird? I bet you Coyote Ugly would do good. I wonder if it would because I feel like... It's got a bit of that camp appeal, and
1: it's—I bet you—it's got a following. And yeah. if you did it the right way, people would go to bars. Yes, and then we could get all the bartenders. We do a dance. I do a dance on the stage. I'd clog. <laughs> I clog. Have, I
0: have—I have a background in dancing. Question, though, Dennis, um, Nightmares? Um, Nightmares
1: was oh, that one of them? Or first? No. What movie have you seen the most time? Oh, uh, it's, it's, a it's Wonderful, wonderful life. life. I do love it. Uh, I—I'm uh, I'm a huge. I think it's a Wonderful Life is an amazing film. And just to put this out there. A lot of movies uh, have a great part, but yeah. they don't necessarily... The ending is not the best. Right. I think It's a Wonderful Life has one of the greatest third acts yeah. of any film ever.
0: Um, that's another one of my questions. What movie has the best ending? Oh, man. Well, my, my Desert thing. Island
1: movie is Seven Samurai by Kara Kurosawa. Yeah. And uh, and it's not... It, now, it is my favorite movie. I, I see it every year. But again, like like you and I were talking about, they are different movies that do different okay. things. But... I've never quite seen a film that, and I recommend everybody see Seven Samurai with subtitles, Japanese samurai movie. The last act of that movie is the samurai defending a village from bandits. And everything in humanity that could happen happens in that fight. People you love die. Other people rise to the challenge. Other people don't. Everyone's humanized. You realize like everyone's just trying to make it. And then the ending of that film is this profound human statement on existence, even after an intense experience like that, mm-hmm. that gets as close as I've ever seen to a movie maker touching. Because I'm, I'm an optimist. Mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. I actually, I, I believe people are essentially good. I believe in existence and life. And I, I think life is a hoot and a kick. And I love being alive. I love that life is a hoot.
0: Yeah. That's, I love it.
1: Uh, but I think that life is also, if you're if you're real, it's random. It's really tough. Thing, you can't explain things, and there's also a lot of tragedy, a lot of pain, and you see things happen you can't reconcile or make right. sense of. And I think that Seven Samurai somehow gets both of those things in its ending in a way I've never seen done.
0: That's remarkable, and I've never seen it. I have, I have some gaps in my things that I haven't seen. Because I, I like the idea of seeing them on a big screen, so I try to keep an eye out for We're going to do showing. Seven Samurai. Okay, I am there. Um, what movie costume do you wish you owned so you could wear it around the house? Can I can I can I answer that question? Kind of well. Okay, we answer you the can question. You answer okay. however you want.
1: Well, can, but I don't. Okay, so okay to answer your question that I could wear around the house. I want to answer the question. Assuming
0: everything's going to fit perfect. Yeah, gotcha. Um, I say that because I would probably wear a John Travolta suit from Saturday Night Fever or something. No, I was about to say,
1: <laughs> but I'm already worried about my thighs. It, anyway, I would. I was about to say, like if I could really pull it off. Yeah, I'd want to wear a ridiculously loud but awesome suit. As I get older, I care less, which I wish I had been in my 20s. Right. So tonight, we're going to do Total Recall. I've got a blue suit with a red tie and a blue gardenia. Or a red gardenia.
0: Damn right you do. Right?
1: And so I would just want... You know how you see those... Sometimes you see those cats and they're wearing just like a suit that you'd be a little nervous to wear, but they wear it with... They just such... They they don't care and they look great in it. And it just says like, this is what I'm wearing.
0: Yeah. Ryan Gosling on any
1: red carpet. He'll go with like the the chartreuse okay yeah and so for me it would be like in my head what i thought was like we were talking about james bond earlier some of those suits and the way they're cut on daniel craig and Char- that's Connery. what
0: that's my second that's my second answer to uh this this question da- anything daniel craig in, in in james bond although my favorite is inspector the day of the dead suit where he had the the Remember in the opening sequence? I do. It? Yeah. And it, but it, it's like one of those day of the dead costumes, but it's also tailored like a Tom Ford suit. Is it? Yes. It's <laughs> sexy as hell. Cause it's like, Oh, that's kind of Halloweeny and costumey, but it's also
1: like, but he looks great. Fuck, ah, So crazy. what you just said, I yeah. mean, I, I remember that. Yeah. Some variation of a bespoke. Yeah. Tailored day of the dead suit. Yeah. Where I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love it, but it looks good.
0: Yeah. Um, what kiss from your life felt like something out of a movie?
1: Oh, my first kiss. It, uh, many kisses, but check yeah. this out. I was a, a, a actor um, in on the stage, right. it, but not. I mean, you know, community theater. Sure. And uh, we went to Germany for a youth theater festival when I was twelve. Right. And uh, at this youth theater festival, imagine this: twelve-year-olds from around the world—Indian twelve-year-olds, Chinese twelve-year-olds. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, what an experience, you, right? To- totally. And this was in 1990. They put us on some wagon, and they're like, "Yeah, you're, you're going to a dance." We go to this dance, and it's in Germany. And we go to this dance in the middle of this field, and they're playing. I kid you not, Nelson, Milli Vanilli, Shit. Phil Collins, oh, right? Man. So they play a uh, Lombada or something, right? And I'm really into this Maltese girl <laughs> who's 14, two years older than me, and right. her name's Maria. And we're kind of like, I'm like, I think we like each other, and right. I was. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, Dennis. I was very nerdy. Right. I know. I'm shocked. Don't let my 41-year-old suave self fool you. Yeah. So, But I was like, I I could feel a vibe. I could feel... Yeah, this is on. It's on. Yeah. So it was the first time that ever happened. Yeah. I'd pined for many women. Yeah. uh, But I was like, this is on. And so she and I walked out. It was this beautiful German field. It was a graveyard. A graveyard and then just green and trees. And I was so nervous. So you, you stepped away from the... Oh, I did the thing. I was yeah. like, uh, do you want to take a walk? And she was like, uh, sure. So we go take a walk. We're standing outside. And then I'm still nerdy. I'm like, uh, can I kiss you? And she was like, sure. And then I kissed her. It was total great first kiss. And then I had to tell everybody about it for the next three days. That's incredible. From
0: Maltese. From yeah. Malta. I've been to Malta. Have you been there? No. It's interesting. and They have cool we'll do doors. Like- it, it's very... You feel, the history, and I don't, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was kind of like one of those places that was always central to every conflict, so there's I believe it's like in the middle of it's the Mediterranean. In the middle of it, so they had it for a while, and then they had it, and then, but I, I just remember a lot of cement, but also cool <laughs> architecture indoors. And, and this, I remember going into this opera house that was cool. It was a one-day thing from, uh, from a uh, cruise ship, but oh. um, what
1: movie has the best sex scene? Oh, that is that's I you know what I'm gonna so check that is a great question yeah this movie you were asking me about yeah um, the one and, you're gonna make yeah the one I'm gonna make a great sex scene is one of the reasons that I'm making it yeah um,
0: it, it, uh, can because, I pick the two people that get to do it
1: sure <laughs> no I'm kidding any variation
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll write it for you yeah I'll write exactly it you it right for you. it's like choose your own sex <laughs> scene adventure um, that's exciting the,
1: but but the, the the but so I I'm one of those people who. I love all, all kinds of movies. I am a little angry at our society that it is okay to have people being tortured and blown away. And we're comfortable seeing that with our parents. But we're not comfortable seeing two people have sex and express emotion and something they both enjoy. Yeah. And I want to see some more movies where... And I, I don't, it doesn't need to be sensational. It's just like no. people are exuberantly enjoying sex. So right. to answer your question... Uh, weirdly, it's a very disturbing movie, now that I say that. It's a, a movie from the Ukraine called The Tribe. And it's about deaf kids. Have you heard about this? It's not that old. It's more recent, It's right? only two or three years right. old. Okay. And there's no dialogue. I really like it because they're all deaf. Right. And um, it, it's a pretty... I, I mean, warning to folks. It's a pretty upsetting film because yeah. the kids are violent and they're, they're, they're in gangs and stuff. But there is this scene where one deaf kid... Falls in love with a girl who's actually prostituting herself out to truckers. Um, but they really do dig each other. And I think the guy who directed it was 25. And and I think there's something to be said about youth. Sometimes yeah. like, not just like, this is how I'm going to do it. And there's a 69 scene where it is the only time I'm like, well, that's how it is. Yeah. I watched it and I watched the 69ing scene. And they were loving it and the way it was shot and, and it went on for three minutes. Right. And I was like, oh, that is the first time in a movie I've seen a 69 scene the way it is. Right. And I had to call everybody and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous that I'm a 41 year old man. Right. Right. And it took 41 years to see something that people do every day. Right. And should do. I highly yeah. recommend if you love the person. If you have feelings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Whatever. He, yeah. The the So anyway, the tribe 69 yeah. scene, my favorite section. That's thing. really interesting. Are there movies Does that... Does that count as a sex scene? Sure. Okay. It's 69. Uh, people are like,
0: well, it wasn't penetration. It doesn't count. We have to count all of that stuff totally. as sex. Yeah. If we don't, then I really have a checkered <laughs> past. Um, Agreed. Are there movies that... Because like I've started to follow, I love the outdoor screenings and there's more of them, but a lot of times you see the same movies because they're the ones that do well. Yeah. And there's that sort of thing of like, okay, these are the crowd pleasers that people come out for in a revival sort of way, especially if it's an outdoor thing. But then also as a curator, you want to slip in those other ones that, that keep it fresh for people and that may open their eyes to something cool. How do you balance the crowd pleasing with the um, mixing
1: it up? So an informal rule developed... Uh, a while ago of 80 20 for me which yeah. is that if if 80% of the movies can make money yeah i can take a chance on 20% of them right. a month so let's just say we, we i think we average now 6 to 8 movies so right. I, if, if i show 6 to 8 a month uh huh wow yeah i think we may pare it back a little bit i yeah. think we've gotten a little too much but yeah. um <clears throat> let's just say if i show four that i think are at least going to break even i can sneak in a fifth that even if no one showed, will be okay. And and first off, I always try to program stuff I love. Right. I actually don't do, and, and I don't, I want to say this the right way. I don't even want to, like, because making a movie is so hard. Right. And then to make a movie that people love, I don't right. want to sit here and bag on. But what I've never wanted to do is pick a movie because I knew it was going to make money. Right. That I didn't like. Right. I, that actually, for me, I'd start to feel bad about what I'm doing. Not if yet. I was just like, uh, well, I know that'll kill. I don't like it, right. but I'm going to do it. So, right.
0: No, but it's a very personal thing. It feels it, personal to be able to share these things. It so.
1: is. So um, when we did Freaks, right. which is one of my favorite horror films, Todd Browning movie, I hope that people would see it. But I was like, if Strange Love and Blue Velvet do well, it cover Freaks. Yeah. And then recently, now, and then you get surprised. Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Was the one I snuck in this month. Yeah. And I thought like, it's one of my top 35. I think it's one of the most amazing movies ever made. And I was like, I hope people come see it. I got a 35 millimeter print. It is Charles Lawton directed this strange film that's so beautiful. And we sold out. And I thought that was going to be our under the radar. Now, weirdly, we did Conan, the barbarian. Yeah. I thought Conan would do better numbers. Conan was, uh, it did okay. But it was one of the lower attended, so you never know. Yeah. And I loved watching Conan. He punches a camel, which I had totally right. forgotten. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that's where we're at. And then um, in May, I'm um, sorry, not May, in July. Right. We did, you know, and then weirdly there are those movies where you hope it hits and you also feel good. We did David Cronenberg's The Fly. Right. I love Cronenberg. I think The Fly is this great film. I was hoping people would be like, oh, horror movie, let's go see it. But I, you also feel good because it's Cronenberg, right? Or my favorite David Lynch movie is Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. Yeah, I think that's his masterpiece. And a lot of people take me to task on that. They're right, like, that movie's ridiculous. What you, it's it's Blue Velvet or Mulholland Drive, and, and I'm like, listen, I love Blue Velvet. I love Mulholland Drive. Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me is a metaphor for sexual abuse. And this, have you seen it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So Laura Palmer is living with her father molesting her. And she, you know, Bob and everything in that film is her struggling with something that people can't deal with. They can't deal with. And the movie posits a transcendent level to the universe, but that transcendent level does not save us from the horrors. And in fact, the horrors may permeate the transcendent level of the universe. And when I saw that film, like Seven Samurai, i would never seen anyone make such a bold statement that, like, yeah. there may be another plane of existence beyond ours, but it may not be just heaven and hell.
0: Yeah, it may, it, not, be, it may not be all uh, <laughs> apple, apple pie and fun times.
1: And and so, yeah. when we did Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, and that sold out, I thought that that was going to be my sneaking it in. Yeah. And then
0: everyone was there, and I was like... There you go. When they sell out, they sell out on the day. People buy in advance sometimes, but you don't absolutely have to.
1: Uh, that's right. So, um... Uh, you can, we absolutely sell tickets the day of, yeah. you can go to the Vista box office yeah. or it, you know, what we try to do too, and this is a business thing I'll yeah. gladly share with people. We do an early bird ticket special. So if you get your tickets two weeks or more in advance, yeah. you get the best deal. Right. Then after that, we always have a budget special. Yeah. Um, cause I'm on, if you're, if you want to see movies, you got to be on a budget. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to donate a little more, cause we do it on 35, you can, yeah. but we don't insist. So the budget level ticket is what most people buy, and yeah. you can get it all the way to the night of the show. I love and it. if we're going to sell out, I usually can see that. Yeah. And if you go to our Facebook page, I'll say, "Hey guys, we Don't got lollygag. Yeah, thirty tickets left or whatever. Wow.
0: Do you have to pay the studios for the thirty-five rental? There's a rental fee, right? There is. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it more than people would expect, or does it depend on the film, or is it sort of standard?
1: Yeah. That that is another great question. So yeah. um. The answer to that, and, and I'm actually grateful to USC for this. Um, right. When I was at USC, they drummed in us, get everything signed, get all the permits, get all the contracts. Right. Uh, and we were like, at 19, we we're like, no, I'll just shoot whatever. Yeah, guerrilla style. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what you realize then is when I did my short film, I sold it to IFC and they asked me for all my contracts all my paperwork, right. and thankfully I had this book, yeah. and, and we did it, and, and I got to sell my movie to IFC, and that was great. That's a cool thing uh, to be able to say. It was, yeah, uh, but thanks to USC. So when I did Secret Movie Club, I knew, and you know, we're artists. You and I are artists, and if, you know, I, I want to, I'm still working to write and direct features. Sure. Well, everybody on that crew, we're going to make money if people buy the tickets, if they pay for the streaming service. If DVDs are still around, they get the DVD. Right. So, I believe in karma. Um, I, I don't know if this has come through clearly. I'm a spiritual cat. I right. believe in karma. Um, these are things that really affect me. And if I tried to get things under the radar... Yeah. Um, uh, mo- you know, I don't want to talk out of my ass, too. I don't want to, like, put myself on a pedestal. God knows I've made a thousand mistakes. Um, but, anyway. Going through the front door, I've always learned, is actually the easiest way to do it. So... Uh, To answer your question, uh, absolutely. We pay a license. Yeah. When the studio can provide us a print, they do. When they can't, and a lot of the studios won't anymore. They just, their prints are like in an archive. They're underground in Nebraska somewhere, and they're like, never again. Then I have to go to private collectors, and in that instance, I have to pay the private collector and the studio. Everybody is different. Some people will give me a flat rate. Some people want a percentage. Some people I have to earn trust, and then they'll lower the rate. It's it's, it's, a, it's all over the place. Ongoing flowing yeah.
0: experience, yeah. I love it. Uh, one more question from my movie things. Yeah. Now, you're already married, so this may not uh, this may not apply, but you can you can yeah. kind of take the leap. You meet the love of your life standing in line at a revival house. What movie is showing?
1: Let me turn this off, because my phone
0: goes. This is okay. probably my wife. That's probably your let's, wife let's saying, let's don't even answer that. that! It is my wife. That's so funny. It's meant <laughs> to be, right? It is. Talk if you need to talk.
1: Uh, just... Uh, just a, one sack. Sure, do is your thing. A,
0: I'll cut okay. it out. Okay.
1: Or record it. Hey, Craigie! Amor, estoy en el medio de una entrevista. Perdón, ¿yo puedo mostrarte al hombre que está haciendo la entrevista? Just un momento. Dennis, this is my wife and my son.
0: Hi, wife and son. We're having a really fun conversation. Nice
1: to see you guys. Ah, awesome. <laughs> Amor, perdóname, ¿está bien para mí llamarte cuando he terminado la entrevista? We love you. We miss you. I love you. I miss you guys. Craigie, I love you, son. I'll talk to you guys when I'm done. Ha, ha, ha. I love you. Yeah. Okay, les amo. Okay, besos. perdón, besos. Adiós. I love that. That's
0: so did you speak Spanish before?
1: Uh, I uh, I did but not not nearly the way I do now. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, my wife was took pity on me because yeah. uh, I have a real thick gringo accent. Right. And um, so I speak to her in Spanish to yeah. get better. She speaks to me usually in English. Yeah. Uh, and so you go. And the so I was that was that was you should keep that in. That was funny you you asked that question. Before. Can I keep it in? It's oh, fun. Yeah, please. Okay. I want you. To. Um, um so uh, to answer your question um, but I want to answer the question in, in the spirit it was asked. I'm, it, what's the question? I'm standing in a line. You're standing
0: in line. At, you meet the love of your life standing in line at a revival house, mm-hmm. showing a, a, a not a new release, another Got it. movie. Yeah. What movie is it? Oh, nice.
1: Good question. Um. Oh man. <laughs> oh. That's. A, do you know that that's a surprisingly tougher question than it? Appears well, because there's the certain movies
0: you like, but that doesn't say anything about. You want something that says something
1: about the kind of person that you'd want to be with. That's right. That you'd want to fall in love That's with. That's actually a very profound... It also speaks about what kind of experience you'd have in the picture. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, one... It, it, so, if... If it was an Ernst Lubitsch movie. If it was, like, The Shop Around the Corner. Right. With Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan. Right. Or uh, if it was... Um, maybe... A Billy Wilder movie, but a lesser known Billy Wilder, right. like uh one, two, three, which right. I love or Kiss Me Stupid. Right. Uh, or, um, if it was, uh, maybe a, th- I mean, those, those immediately leap to mind. Um, those are fun answers. Those would be my answers. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Okay.
0: So these are the questions that you picked. Who's your most surprising fan? Oh. <laughs> You know... Uh, oh, no, these are the random ones. Or did you pick these? I did not. You just picked I, I, these ra-
1: from randomly. I did not. A lot of these to...
0: developed when I was interviewing actors and actresses. But if that resonates... Yeah, no, totally. I yeah. I,
1: I, I, didn't want to know what I was going to answer. Yeah, that's so right. You you went random. I did. I did uh, Texas Hold'em. Put them all face That's down. right. Exactly. Um, You're a brave person. So, uh, who's my most surprising fan? Yeah. Um. You know, we have a group that comes to almost every picture. And... First of all, I love that you call them pictures. Oh, <laughs> it's very old school. I like it. Uh, and so one, this is just one gentleman. He's eighty-eight years old. H- his name's Freddie. He drove for Orson Welles. Oh my God! He comes to about seventy to eighty percent of our movies at midnight, and he says, "If he can make it to midnight, I can make it to midnight." Freddie, uh, Freddie embarrasses everybody, right? And Freddie comes. And he always talks about his love of Alfred Newman, the composer. Right. And uh, I've just made him the mayor of Secret Movie Club. I love it. And uh, I would say, I, I have... There's a whole group. Fred. I think even the people in the group would say that Freddie being 88 yeah. is the inspiration. I think he is. Yeah. He is. What's your best random celebrity sighting? Oh, man. Uh, okay. Walter Matthau. It's a story I love to tell for this reason. So I am someone who unfortunately geeks out, and gets nervous. Uh, and probably to this day. And I'm not someone who had that intelligence of knowing that the best way to be around celebrities is the way I'm, you and I are around each other. Right. Um, I just always would get nervous and, and be like, oh, a celebrity. But when I was five or six, I was bike riding in the Pacific Palisades on the boardwalk with my Jewish grandparents. And I was maybe a little older. I must have been seven or eight. And I bike out ahead. I remember exactly where I was. And weirdly... Just across the street from where I met my wife at Patrick's Roadhouse uh, there you go. 30 years later. But um, this, this, this older guy is walking a huge St. Bernard. And I'm way out ahead of my family. And I stop and I'm like, that St. Bernard's a really big dog. And he's like, yeah, yeah it is. I'm like, what's that St. Bernard's name? He's like, ah, oh, it's whatever. Cinnamon, cookie, muffin, whatever. I'm like, oh, you just come out here and walk him? He's like, yeah. He's got to walk on the, you know, this, we do this every morning. I was like, well, that is a cool dog. And he was like, oh, thank you. And I was like, oh, here are my grandparents. We got to go. And he's like, have a good ride. And so I keep biking and my grandparents get far enough away and they stop me and they're like, Craig, do you know who you were just talking to? And I was like, no, it was a guy with a the dog. they're like, that was Walter Mathau. And so I had this great natural conversation right. with Walter Mathau and, and it was just, and I remember him to this day and it was just person just, to person, person to person. So that's probably my favorite.
0: That's a really good one. Um, This question I picked is what song makes you cry but I also want to know what
1: movie makes you cry no matter how many times you've seen it. I'm very emotional. Yeah. Uh, I actually am a crier. Uh, So crying is something I do uh, a lot in movies. You could use the
0: wailing room occasionally. I could. (laughs) I, uh, that's such an image, just these devastated women just go, getting up war widows, oh my God, I'm just going in there and wailing,
1: wailing, cathartic experience. that should be a
0: scene in a movie. It
1: is I mean, I say it now, but i if I ever make a movie in the twenties, I mean that, yeah. that's the same thing um you want what's the movie that makes me cry is yeah, it uh, you know um the there there are so many um. And can I quickly look over at my DVD yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, okay. man. And then I'm gonna come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it rolling. So. No worries. We keep it rolling. We're live. We're in it. Okay. Um because I know some are up here. Oh I got it. I got it. I'll tell you. What's that? Uh it, it I didn't even get to it. I don't remember. Um so there there are there, there are dozens. Yeah. There one of my top ten films, it's a cheat. it's the Apu trilogy um, yeah. by Satyajit Ray. And it goes, Pather Panchali, A Perugito, and World of Apu. Have you seen them? So he, he, they're uh, from Bengal in India. He made them right. in the 50s. And it's about a boy Apu from when he's born to when he's about 35. And um, it's based on a novel, a Bengali novel. And he goes through a lot of tragedy, like like everybody in life does. And although I cried in each of them, the middle movie is called A Perugito, And it's about – I'll cry right now almost – It's about Apu and his mom because his dad passes, his sister passes. And in the middle film, it's just he and his mom. And his mom sacrifices so that he can go away to college. And he goes and they're poor. They're dirt poor. But he goes and he learns. It's very hard for me to talk about this. But uh, he he becomes a teenager. And he is more interested in kind of staying in Calcutta than he is in going back to see his mom. And his mom does not tell him that she's not doing well. And so, so there's a scene where she is waiting for him to come and he doesn't come home and she's waiting for him to come by, tra- uh, come by train. And, uh, she passes away. And I think uh, under a tree and there are all these fireflies. Uh, and so, you know, no, it, the, and, and keep the sentence. I don't, I don't care. But, uh, um, you know, it, it, I, I just have to say this, as nerdy as this is, um, or it's not even nerdy, but but I, you know, I'm very, I, I'm one of seven, and uh, I'm very close to my mom and my brothers and my sisters and my father. And my father passed when I was 23, but I was very close to all of them. I was very lucky. I'm not someone who like I I don't want to go home. I always wanted to go home. I I still to this day always wanted to be with my grandparents, my aunts and my uncles. And um, when I saw that film. My mom is someone who's done a lot of sacrificing. And uh, she doesn't She doesn't make you... She's not someone... I hear of a lot of moms who uh, let you know they're sacrificing. I've heard a lot of people have that kind of mom. I don't have that kind of mom. My mom is one who, how are you? What's going on? I'm so happy to hear it. Would never tell me. And when I saw that movie, I think it was the universe helping me out of like, appreciate your mom. Because I realized if, if I didn't... Um, because I think I took my mom for granted a lot. And in just the movie, I saw that. And my mom and I were at loggerheads when I was a teenager. So in a perigito, Apu doesn't get to say that to his mom. Right. And my mom is still with us. And my mom and I are still close. So I think I saw that film and I wept. And it was it was really too much for me. I realized that I never thought my mom was going to die. This is really weird to say, but I realized in my head, I never thought my mom would pass. And when I saw that movie, I was like, that will happen. And yeah. my dad has died. Yeah. And thankfully, I got to tell my dad I love them. And my yeah. dad got to talk to me. But that was the movie where I was like, we're all going to go. And yeah. we're not going to know when we go. So you get, get that hug in.
0: Yeah. Get
1: that, you know what? You meant a lot to me when you can. And so that movie is a movie. I, I can't see it without just losing it.
0: I love it. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, here's one more. Have you ever written a fan letter?
1: A many. Many. Yeah. Which one do you want to know about?
0: Uh, Whichever one comes to mind. Uh,
1: There are a lot of interesting ones. I think the one, I, I, so here's one. This is kind of, uh, so I I wrote a fan letter. I've written many. Uh, The, the, I wrote one, what's the most interesting one? I guess just two quick ones. Because if anyone wrote back. Well, I only got two responses and not from the people. Right. When I was 14, I wrote to J.D. Salinger's publisher because yeah. I would read Capture in the Rye and I wrote on a typewriter on brown paper. Right. And uh, I wrote, uh, you know, Mr. Salinger, I just read Capture in the Rye. You're amazing. Right. And Little Brown and Company. Right. Some intern doing a summer internship in New right. York wrote me back and was like, thank you so much. This is a beautiful letter. Mr. Salinger never responds anymore. He's living in New Hampshire, Vermont somewhere, right. and has not talked to the public in 30 years, but I can tell you he would appreciate this and keep reading. And I was like, ah, and I felt good. Yeah, it's not bad. No. And then, and then, uh, in my late 20s, I think, I wrote, or early 30s, I wrote to Stan Brackett, because, uh, avant-garde movie maker, and one of my top 10 films is a film he made called The Act of Seeing with One's Own Eyes. It's funny, talking about that. Uh, where bracket? Have you ever seen a bracket movie? Mm-mm. So he's an avant garde movie maker. Where um, he his most famous movie, uh, one of them is called Dog Star Man, which is an hour he shot it all on Super 8 movies, and it is superimpositions of solar flares and him walking up a mountain in slow motion and uh, him painting on film, and it's it's again. I saw that movie and I was like, I didn't know you could do that. Right. And and well, of course you can. The only thing that limits you is what you think you can do. So I watched, and Brackage had a real issue with death. So he asked a coroner in Pittsburgh, I think, could I go in and film a night of autopsies? And they said, yeah. And they said, yes, but you cannot show the face. That's, that, would, that would be beyond the line. But everything else you can show. So it is a half hour of autopsy footage cut um, in, in a very respectful way. He doesn't sensationalize it. It's literally him spending a night with death. And, and all of us having to realize that one day we're going to be on that slab somewhere. Um, it was a, it's an amazing film. It's not for everybody. I mean, I always tell people. What's you the name that, of the film? The Act of Seeing with One's Own Eyes. Right. And it is real autopsy footage. Um, but you sit, no sound, no sound. You sit for a half hour with death. And you just watch it. And you watch it, and you get into a real meditative state, um, if you're open to it. Sure. So I wrote him, and I was like, "Mr. Brackage, you rock my world. Um, I had never seen anything like this." And I guess he was in ill health, and his wife wrote me. And Marilyn Brackage wrote back, and she said, "Thank you so much for writing to Stan. Stan is in ill health right now, but these kinds of letters mean the world to him. Um, and uh, thank you for writing. It. And I remember, I, I was I was bombed that I didn't get a letter from Stan, but I was right. glad I got one from Merrill.
0: That's sweet, man. Yeah, I'll have to keep my eye out for that. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, I think sometimes when we're trying to do our thing, whether it's filmmaking or whatever, yeah. we sometimes think that the other thing that we do is is lesser, is taking away, is somehow keeping the artistic karma goods from landing on us with this other thing. And I think with your thing, I think it's a beautiful combination, what you're doing. Does, does, this, does this idea resonate with you? It
1: very much so. Yeah, and...
0: I mean, any thoughts on that idea?
1: Yeah. I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah. So there's a quote um, that I put to memory um, by Euripides. And it goes... Uh, many, you also didn't uh, write back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Asshole. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Well, you know. 2,000 years. different, Total different philosophy structure. Right. Uh, the, the, but Euripides wrote, um, Many a fate does Zeus possess. Many a fate does Zeus P- dispense high on his Olympian throne. Oft do the gods bring things to pass beyond man's expectation. That which we thought would be goes unfulfilled, while for the unlooked for, God finds out a way. And it's Euripides. And for the
0: unlooked for,
1: God finds, finds out a way. way. So many a fate doth Zeus dispense right. high on his Olympian throne. Oft do the gods bring things to pass beyond man's expectation. Right. That which we thought would be goes unfulfilled. Right. While for the unlooked for, life finds out a way.
0: Right. Or
1: God finds out a way. Um, and I, my experience of life has been that. I'm 41. I'm, I, I've wanted to write and direct movies my whole life. I'm still working to make a feature. I will make it. Yes. That's I'm not, I'm not uh, 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 disillusioned about that. Right. Um, and the path that I've taken, I've loved. I wouldn't change a thing. I have a wife and son. I didn't know I was going to have that. I I, I would not change a thing for all the lessons I've learned. But what you just said, uh, if I could say this, when I thought about doing Secret Movie Club, there was a little voice. And I struggled because I was like, what if I lose money? I don't really have time. Like, what if this doesn't work? And this little voice was, but do it. Like, you're not going to know until you do it. And it'll be a hoot. It'll be a it'll be a blast, you know. And if you show a few movies, you showed a few movies at the Vista, and you can say you did it. Yes. You know, do it. Never not do it. And, yeah. But I struggled for a month or two. But that little voice was just like do it, do it. And I finally was like, that little voice, man. Okay. And I jumped off the cliff. Right. We did. Right. Now, two and a half years later, we're showing ten movies, nine movies a month. I'm going to Total Recall tonight. We got, you know, this crowd of people that always show up. That
0: love it. Like, do you feel like the joy that they're getting from it?
1: Well, but you and I. You yeah. came and talked to me because it was Shadow of a Doubt, right? Yeah. One of my favorite Hitchcocks. I mean, you love that film. It's all
0: about that nutty scene at the table where he looks at the camera and just fucking lays it out. Oh, so isn't it? It's
1: It and Okay, so just sidebar. <laughs> it is all about that scene. That scene pierces the veil. Yeah. And you're watching that movie and in 1943 and he's like... And who are these people? These fat cows <laughs> yeah. waiting to be slaughtered. <laughs> and you're it's like... so... But it's the best. Anyway. Yeah. That, so here we are watching Shadow of a Doubt right. on Memorial Day right. at 10 in the morning. Right. And you come up and you have a podcast that you right. love to do. Right. And It's the, the same thing. It's like... And the energy yeah. meets. Yeah. And then let's do the podcast. Right. And it's saying yes. It's yeah. not saying no. It's just saying yes. And I think... That when we started Secret Movie Club, I had no idea. And and by the way, a month from now it could be the end of Secret Movie Club. Right. We have no control over the future. But what you just said, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell. Like, I, if people want to have that conversation, right. I'm a Joseph Campbell young guy. I'm not right. a Freud guy. Right. And and that's no no disrespect to to Doctor Freud. But sure. but I believe in following your bliss. And and you know Joseph Campbell said if you read all the myths. They all have a common theme. The people that pursue their passion, it may not turn out the way they wanted. They may go like into deserts and places they never thought they'd go to. But if you pursue it and you meet other people and you you do what you love and you do it earnestly, you're going to have experiences that are going to be rewarding. And I have to tell you, with Secret Movie Club, that has borne out to be true. I love it. That's wonderful. Uh, how can people learn more about it? Um, so easiest thing is we got a Facebook page, uh, Secret Movie Club 35mm. Secret right. Movie Club 35mm. Um, we got an Instagram feed, at Secret Movie Club. The Twitter's the same, at Secret Movie Club. Um, if you live in the Los Feliz area, you can just go to the Vista. We always have yep. a poster up. Uh, if you want to get on the email list, you can email us at uh, Secret Club at com, Or just go to Facebook and direct message us. Just, yeah. There's a button. And uh, we'll put you on the list. I love getting the emails. Are you going to do a Labor Day screening? Uh, You know what? I'm debating it because that weekend is True Lies and Starship Troopers. Oh, that's a lot. It is. And if we do a Labor Day screening, um, it would have to be a special thing. I'm waiting to see how we do ticket sales. There you go. All right. Put a pin
0: in that. Okay. This has been a real pleasure. Uh, Final question. Why do you love movies?
1: So... Not to to nerd out, this is the real answer. But but as you can tell, I I have the Irish disease. I talk too much. Um, Great. One of my favorite philosophers is Wittgenstein. And he wrote this book called, uh, and I'm going to blow it, so forgive me, philosophers. But it was his first book. And it was the Tractatus, the Mathematicus Tracticus, or whatever. And he came up with the rules of logic. And the last rule of logic is, that which cannot be proven or something like that, which cannot be proven with logic, we must pass over in silence. And, uh, and, and philosophers, you'll know it better. But I think what he meant was, there may be things in this world that we cannot prove. And therefore, they're bigger than us, and words would limit them. And we must pass over them in silence, but they may exist. And I don't see it as a negative thing. I actually, and it was discovered that he kept these secret journals that he never published about his belief in God. And his belief in, in just the transcendent. But he never, but he could never prove it. And he thought that that had no place in philosophy. But he believed in this amazing something in the universe. But he couldn't prove it. So Seven was like, I can't prove it, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, and in movies, in a totally different way, I can't fully explain it. I can't really fully put it in words. But I, I will say that, like, we showed Robocop last night. And we had... Black people, white people, Latino people with Morris t shirts We had straight people. We had gay people. We had young people. We had Freddie at 88 years old. We had everybody. And they all got there in the theater. And they had this communal experience. And we were all just there together. And we, we all had this amazing experience. All of us. And there was, there was, there was not any division. There was not any. It was, and, and we all had something that we all shared. And when, when movies do that, it tells you something about all of us that, that I believe in. And we're all self-conscious about this and that. But you get in a movie theater and with everybody and everybody has a communal experience. And that is one of the reasons I love movies.
0: I love it. It's so fun to hear you talk about it too. Um, I will see you soon at, at one screening or another. Thank you so much for doing this. And, oh, Dennis, um, thank you. It's if you're in it's L.A., go check it out. And if you're not, move here and come visit and go check it out. So thank you for asking me to do this. My pleasure. It was a blast. Yay. Bye. All right. Thanks again to Craig Hamill for doing the podcast and also putting together such a cool movie series and giving us something really great in Los Angeles. All right. So this happened. As I said before, I was, I've been doing some, you don't know, my life parties, kind of the Tupperware model where we go into people's houses and we play and, um, my friend Stacy, uh, has a new home and invited me to do a game night with some of her friends as a kind of like sort of mini housewarming like a hey come see me see my new place and um, play this game. So but before that happened I happened to be in a store and I saw this young man uh let's say he was a handsome young buck maybe um but he was wearing Wrangler jeans with like a t-shirt not like super cowboy-ish but like still with the Wrangler jeans and I grew up in northern Arizona so it was a bit of cowboy culture. Anyway, I used to wear Wranglers uh, a bit. There was a few years in there where I did, and I kind of forgot the wonder of the way what they do. <laughs> they look really good on this dude, right? And I was like, mm, I'm intrigued. Me, I need, maybe I can dig back into that part of my past. So I go to Sears, and I get these Wranglers. Right? They're not they're not that expensive. They're on sale. So you know, wash them, and uh, I, I go to put them on to go to this party. And they are so tight, they shrank, is the point. And a lot of jeans do that, but not not jeans that I bought in like a decade, where you have to think about, oh, how much are they going to shrink? And I thought, you know what, they're going to stretch out their jeans, I'm going to go for it, you know. Uh, I'm going to wear these jeans. Long story short, it was like being in a chastity belt the whole night. And I'm, you know, at this new house with these people trying to get them into this game, and my lower half is just not having it, <laughs> It was crazy. So the lesson is, if you're going to try to tap into that Wrangler broke back basket moment, <laughs> uh, don't forget the shrinkage. Uh, that's the moral of the story. The thing is, I'm still intrigued by it. I'm not. It's not a total fail because I may try to trade them and get some new ones. In other words, I'm not giving up on the Wrangler dream. And neither should you if you're listening. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, that's this week's podcast. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.